and breaking news from around the world. Something has just happened. More after this. Welcome to the XJ Talk Show. You're listening to the premier podcast about Jeep Cherokees, off-road adventures, tips that you can use, and interviews with people in the off-road industry. And now, here are your hosts, Tony and Josh. Hey, this is Tony. You know me as Motoroy on XJTalk.com. We're here live and in color. Well, I mean, if you're not listening to the recording. And uh, here's my co-host... I'm Josh, otherwise known as NW99XJ or Northwest 99XJ. And, well, as long as you're on a color screen, well, you're seeing me in living color as well. <laughs> yeah, if you can see us, you're watching us live because we don't put the video out anywhere. And that's for good reason, too, Josh. We've been warned. Oh, yeah. No, I've definitely got a face for radio, that's for sure. <laughs> I was actually asked that by one of my interviewees. And uh, I had to say, I had to agree that, yes, I definitely have a face for radio. I think it's the voice, Josh. I think we're both blessed with good radio voices. Yeah, no, I got a compliment this weekend. In fact, a guy came up to me and said, hey, man, you got a good set of pipes, so you should be on radio. And I kind of uh, pulled out a card and said, actually, I am, sir. Thank you very much. Those are kind words. (laughs) Funny you should mention that. (laughs) So do you think he's going to listen? I I hope so. I was was at a Jeep event this weekend. We'll talk more about that later on. We've got a bunch of stuff for you guys. Uh, Jam-packed episode uh, this afternoon, well, this evening, really. Uh, in episode 89 of the XJ Talk Show. God, we are fast approaching episode 100, Tony. I can't tell you how how blessed we are, how lucky we are, depending on which side of the coin you fall on, um, that we've got so much listener involvement this time. I mean, uh, actually, after all, you were a listener before you got involved, and that just goes to show you what, uh, what good or bad things can happen. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully this is good addition to the show. Uh, we got all kinds of stuff that we're going to give to you guys today. Tony and I are going to talk about, well, some Jeep stuff, of course. We got some voicemails to play with you guys, play for you guys. Of course, this week in Jeep, uh, we've got uh, some interviews as well that we're going to play, uh, courtesy of, well, some listeners, just as Tony mentioned. And we've got a different spin on some Amazon stuff. We're going to go ahead and just tease, like, tease it like that for now and uh, let you guys uh, let you guys in on, on what we're going to do later on. And, of course, we're going to have a little bit of uh, some Jeep tips later on in the show and, uh, well, some other stuff as well. So, guys, stick around. Yep, yep. Well, uh, Josh, you were telling me a sad story before we got started about your uh, your long weekend of uh, being out on the trail. Uh, you want to bring the, the rest of the group in on, in on it? Absolutely. Uh, I was with one of, well, actually, the oldest Jeep club in Oregon and one of the oldest in the nation, the Jolly Jeepers. Uh, established, I think, in the late 50s or early 60s, and they've been going very strong ever since. They do one large event every year that I've been very proud to be a part of. They only allow 100 vehicles in, uh, in addition to their exclusive membership as well. And uh, lucky enough, I've been, uh, I've been allowed to get in on that uh, the last uh, several years, and, uh, and this year was no exception. Um, the weather was fantastic. Uh, it was it was great weather. We we camp out on private property and then we head out into the Tillamook State Forest for a weekend of wheeling. We head out in groups of about anywhere from eight to fifteen rigs. So there's a, there's a lot of wheeling going on, a lot of trail miles to have uh, to happen. I usually go out with um, with one of my favorite uh, favorite trail leaders. His name's Bernie, and he's a great guy, great sense of humor, uh, really fun to be with, and and he really knows his stuff. He's also a ham operator. Uh, so he's, he's, he's good company to be around in case something bad was to happen on the trail. 
Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The the last couple of years we've had some carnage because generally Bernie's group, uh, we we had some head to some of the more extreme trails. Uh, definitely some of the more uh, more advanced uh, difficulty trails, and and this was no exception. Uh, we we spent pretty much the entire weekend in in an area called the Crushers, which is a massive acre upon acre upon acre field of like Volkswagen sized boulders, and you got to pick your line to make it through. Now, I didn't take my Cherokee through that. I took my Cherokee through the filter above it and got up into an area just um, just below the upper bowl section of that area. But uh, but that's I'll get into that later on. This weekend, I um, I was in a rush to get out because uh, my last my last minute checklist included uh, getting on some bump stops onto the Jeep. It's I've I've had them laying around for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I just I haven't had the time or, or the means or the drive really to do it. And I took the day, uh, the day I was leaving uh, this last Friday, I took it off. And I was like, okay, I've got to get this done. Um, I've got all day to do it. So, you know, no big rush. Well, I think, Tony, you went through the same sort of thing. The, the bump stops that I got were not the small diameter bump stops. They were the larger diameter bump stops. So they had to be modified in order to fit into the cups in the wheel wells of the Cherokee. And that was a messy and rather lengthy procedure. Yeah, because you got to fit it. You got to try it and fit it. Exactly. And uh, I can't remember what you said you had used. Uh, I ended up using my um, my uh, my grinder with a cutoff wheel and just sort of shaved it and cut it and shaved it and cut it and fit test fit and back and forth between the vice and the grinder and the Jeep and back and forth and finally got them to where I could pressure fit, you know, press fit those things up into those cups and get them to fit right. And I think I did. The, I, I took a tip from you, in fact, on this one, and I shot a couple of screws in through it just to sort of retain them in place uh, just for safekeeping. Mm hmm. And, um, and I got that all finished up, um, went through the Jeep, tightened a few things up, greased a couple other things up, loaded the Jeep up and hit the road and, uh, and got there a little bit later than I wanted to. I was there, you know, right around supper time or so, not a big deal. So this uh, is Friday you're talking about. This is Friday night, Friday evening that I, that I finally made the, uh, got out there. And when I got out there and I was unpacking everything, I realized that I had forgotten a whole slew of things. Um, most of important of which was my coffee cup. I didn't have my <laughs> coffee cup with me. So that you know, was, I would have, I would have picked pillow. I forgot my pillow too. Yeah. But a pillow is what I would have been the, to me, the well, most important thing. I had a little Coleman, um, you know, fold up pillow. It's a, like a travel pillow, mm -hmm. um, which is really not enough for my big melon head. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've got a blockhead and I need support, man. <laughs> when when I say, when I say, cut. yeah, I'm not saying you got a melon head. I'm just thinking of mine. <laughs> just but to no, be clear. <laughs> it, seriously, you, you, you take for granted how much, um, you know, comfort and, and how important a pillow really is, especially when you're out camping. And, uh, and it just, it, that alone really set off my, my whole sleep schedule. Oh, yeah. It'll, it, it, it'll ruin your whole day if you don't get proper sleep. And well, even if you, even if you pass case. out, even if you pass out, if the rest, uh, if your sleep isn't restful, you feel it all day long. So I'm dragging uh, this weekend. So guys, if, if I sound like I, I'm talking with a little bit of a swollen tongue or something, um, I sound like I'm tired. Well, chances are it's, it's because I am tired. I'm dog tired after this weekend. Uh, a lot of hard wheeling, too. Wait, one of the most important things um, that I forgot was my digital recorder. I was, um, it was on my checklist. I completely spaced it off, and uh, I didn't pack it. I was supposed to take my digital recorder so that I could do some interviews uh, with some people out there because there is a lot of really cool people out there, a lot of good Jeepers, and, uh, and I look forward to this event every year. 
And I didn't become um, a part of the XJ Talk Show until after this event last year. So I, um, you know, otherwise I would have I would have done this again last year uh, as far as the interview side of it. So I just used my cell phone uh, in this case and and got some interviews uh, this way. And they turned out okay. It's not up to the quality that I would like. Um, you know, I'm a stickler for perfection in this case, uh, but it worked out all right. Um, but we'll 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 get to those interviews later on. Probably not going to have those in this show, uh, guys. So stick around next week. I'm going to play an interview with three different XJ owners that I interviewed at the Jolly Jeepers 2013 Back to Basics. Some really cool guys, and I hope to get a chance to wheel with them again. So, Tony. Um, Man, the trails were relentless this weekend. Um, the dust was insane. Uh, there was times <laughs> where you couldn't see the vehicle in front of you because the, there was so much dust getting kicked up off the rigs, on the trails, uh, on the roads getting to a lot of the trails. So the inside of the Jeep looked like it was rolled with um, brown powdered sugar. I mean, just everything was gritty and dusty. It was hot. And let me tell you, buddy, sweat and dust of that caliber do not mix very well. I took a I took a long hot shower tonight and I still don't feel clean. <laughs> so uh, so I wonder if it might be worth uh, getting. Uh, I don't know what kind of water source you had there at the campsite, but I wonder if it would be worth getting one of those solar powered uh, uh, showers. You know where it just the bag hangs in the sun. It's not really much of a solar power. Technically, it's correct. And then you could have had a warm shower up there or or two. Be that would be epic um, because after after a long hard day of wheeling and and subsequent carnage as well we had some breakage on the trail as well uh, one of the guys bent his tie rod into a pretzel mm. I literally I literally have never seen a tie rod bent almost in half it it, it had a full on arch to it you could put a basketball up into the arch that was created in the bend of this tie rod. I kid you not. Was this a a, a grand uh, tie rod or it was on? It was on an LJ, oh, and okay. uh, and he came down off of a rock uh, fairly hard, obviously, and uh, and bent that thing pretty good. It was not a stock one. It was the. Um, it wasn't a rough country. It wasn't rugged ridge. Jeez, what was the brand? He mentioned it, and I forgot it. I forgot it now. It began with an R, though. That would be great to know. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Th- I mean. I think everybody understands that nothing is going to survive everything that you can throw at it. But, uh, certainly that, I think that would be uh, nice information to know if there's some way that you can find out that's not, not too difficult. Maybe, well, maybe a good uh, night's sleep. You'll, you'll remember. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, I'm in somewhat regular contact with the guy, even though I only get to see him about once a year. Uh, we chit chat throughout the year every now and again. And, um, uh, one of the guys I was wheeling with, uh, he has some aftermarket fenders, the same guy. He, uh, he beat up his fenders pretty good, so in in you know true Jeeper spirit, he's going to kick down the guy the, um, his old fenders. Uh, they match the the same color as his Jeep. I've got an old steering stabilizer. When he bent his tie rod, he bent the hell out of his steering stabilizer as well. So I'm just going to give him the one that I've got, um, the old one that I have laying around. I've got a couple, in fact, laying in the garage. So I'm not just going to let him have his pick. But um, uh, yeah, so this, the the actual uh, hydraulic ram the the shock if you will the stabilizer was bent yeah the rod itself was, was <laughs> wow. I mean, bent at almost a 90 degree angle and and of course it spewed fluid all over all over his uh, his linkage and stuff like that so we spent uh we spent a, a fair amount of time getting him bent back into shape now what we did <laughs> is is one of the guys there had a really cool apparatus and i'm gonna i, I took a picture of it 
And I, I'm going to try and bring it up here um, as we talk throughout the show and see if I can't um, get the name of this thing. But it was a vice that is put into the trailer hitch of a vehicle. And so you've got essentially a, a vice on for on the trail and uh, for, for making repairs and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and what we're able to really do handy. is load, uh, load up the, um, the, the vice into a guy's trailer hitch and then put the, uh, put the bent tie rod in there. And then we, we staged up another rig with a winch and we're able to winch back that tie rod back into shape. And, uh, and yeah, that was, that was something else. And it was really some, some very interesting and, and good teamwork as well. Uh, getting, getting that thing, uh, bent back and, and put together. We got him back on the trail and he drove down the road just fine. For the most part, he had some death wobble back on the way to camp, uh, with everything, uh, you know, with, I mean, with as bent up as things were, um, I'm surprised that that thing even drove down the road at all, but we were able to get him at least, uh, down off the mountain under his own power. So. Any um, idea that, what that, he did as far as getting home? Did he, did he bring it in on a trailer or did he have to drive it back home? Flat-toed it. Flat, he's got a, a truck and a, and a camper, uh, and he flat-toed it. So I, I think what he ended up doing was was letting some of the air out of the tires, uh, and that that sort of calmed the tires down to give him a little bit more grip instead of able to slide around on the road a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and uh, he he's going to do that to get it home. I'm, I'm sure that he's already home and, and well on his way to repairs by now, but... But uh, I was not uh, I was not able to dodge carnage myself. Um, my Cherokee uh, got a little bit of a, uh, damage on the undercarriage, uh, bent up my control arm mounts pretty good. Um, they're now sort of you know bent up. They don't have the nice flat uh, uh, you know flat edges anymore. Um, one of my rock rails got hit really good. I was in I was in some pretty deep rock and uh, doing some doing some serious rock crawling and uh, came down off of a rock. I got a bad spot. And, and I just came down hard on the uh, passenger side and bent up one of my rock rails pretty good. Thankfully, it was there. Because honestly, if, if, if my rock rail, if I didn't have rock rails and I was taking that same line and the same exact sort of events had happened, uh, there's no way I would be able to open my passenger door right now. Uh, it's just that that hit was so hard uh, to bend that rock rail in the way that it is. And it actually, it, it bent up. Uh, enough to where it actually pushed the fender a little bit as well. So I've I've got some uh, I've got some work to do on the Jeep to to get that. I'm going to take these rock rails off. I'm probably going to build a set uh, myself uh, using some some more expertise, uh, somebody who has better expertise in welding than I do, uh, and really beef up those a little bit more uh, than what I've got on there right now. So I those gotta are, say those that, are homemade uh, rock rails. Actually, these uh, the ones that I have right now are the Warrior Products Rock Bars, and honestly, they have held up to a lot of abuse. And I would recommend them for anybody um, who is doing anything shy of some extreme rock crawling. Now, I, I was I was in probably probably some of the deepest rock I have ever been in, uh, and and although I had a lot of fun, and I would absolutely do it again, the the Warrior Products Rock Bars probably are not up to caliber for that level of, of wheeling. Um, for 99% of you guys out there listening right now uh, who do some wheeling, who get into the rocks every now and again, uh, honestly, these things are fine. I've put my entire Jeep on these things before. Uh, you can jack the Jeep up out of these things. They, they grab onto, the, onto the, uh, the pinch seam with five bolts. They, they bolt into the, uh, into the frame. Uh, and honestly, it's, they're, they're beefy. They just aren't that beefy. 
So, you know, it's, I needed something a little bit more in this case. And, and I would get these things again if I knew that I wasn't going to be getting into this kind of rock crawling again. But really, um, the, the big highlight of the weekend were my Pro Comp MT2s. The new generation of Pro Comp mud terrain tires are phenomenal. I had them aired down to nine pounds, Tony, and they just gripped and grabbed onto everything. As long as I had my wheels on the ground or on the rocks, I had almost zero tire spin whatsoever. Uh, they, they just they grabbed, they gripped, and they put me where I wanted to go every single time, and I couldn't be happier. Now they have uh, they have some some um, well I don't want to call it issues but the I guess one of the issues as far as using it, those for a daily driver is they don't last as long as say a uh, a Goodyear or a Goodrich or any other rest of the, at least that's what I remember hearing. Well, that was one of the complaints of the first generation of these tires. Procomp took all the complaints that all their customers had about wear, about noise, about grip, about everything else negative about the tires in the first generation. They addressed every single issue that they could and, re- and brought in a whole bunch of new technology to manufacture the second generation of the Procomp mud terrains. And, and apparently, they did what they, what, they're, what they said they were going to do, and they fixed everything because these tires, they're not loud. Um, they, they hold up. Uh, they grip. And well, I haven't had them long enough to to talk about the longevity of them. But they they uh, they mentioned a new kind of tire additive that they put into the compound of the tire to increase the wear uh, durability on these. So uh, allegedly, these tires are supposed to last a lot longer than the the first generation of the Pro Comp mud trains. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, when you started talking about grip, I was thinking about soft and uh, you know uh, lots of molecules stripping off every, every time you use it. So. And I know you're not using it as a daily driver now, so it's not as big an issue. But since you were talking about how great they were, I thought I'd bring up the specter of, uh, yeah, but it may not be so good for uh, daily driver use. Yeah, well, I will definitely uh, keep an eye on that as the miles get uh, get racked up. Now, the Jeep does see pavement. Um, it sees little uh, around the town driving several times a week. So mm-hmm. it, it does see a fair share of, of cement driving. It's not so, the two hours a day, uh, two hours yeah. one way that it used to, though. Yeah, it's certainly not what it used to be. So, and I'm I'm just fine with that. No, I understand. Uh, although I'm sure there's times that uh, uh, you would like to have the height and the uh, the overall stance of the vehicle whenever you're driving back and forth. Well, if you could just uh, flip a switch and go from Honda to lifted <laughs> XJ, wouldn't that be cool? Man, that would be something else. Let me tell you. <laughs> Got on cruise, flip it down to the Honda. <laughs> Notice I said down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's no, definitely a, a big difference. <laughs> So uh, you had some issues with uh, with video, or you wanted to take video, or you tried to take video and you couldn't, or what? So I've I've got uh, I've got the poor man's GoPro, uh, which is an Oregon Scientific. It's uh, probably one of the first generation <laughs> action cams that were ever released, and uh, and it does okay. The quality is certainly not HD. Uh, it does thirty frames per second, which is a good frame rate. It's just the resolution isn't quite what I want. Now, my point-and-shoot that I've got, my little Canon power shot here, um, takes way better video. It doesn't do 30 frames per second, uh, but the resolution is better. So on one hand, I've got crappy resolution. On the other hand, I've got great resolution but poor frame rate, and I wish I could combine the two. Um, and so I'm, you know, I'm really wishing that I had one of your contours, uh, that I would, you know, could strap onto the, onto the mirror or, you know, hold out the window or strap to the hood or, you know, something 
to get some better video. And I just, I didn't have the time, the funds, the means, you know, all of that to, to get some decent video set up. Now I did take some, uh, some video this weekend. Um, I took three different videos with my point and shoot, only one of which is anything worth actually posting up or anything. And I'm in the midst of, of toying around with that. I haven't even gotten to the Oregon scientific footage yet. Um, uh, I, I this, love the name of that, by the way, Oregon, Oregon scientific. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, it was Texas instruments, you know? Yeah. Back, yeah. It sounds, yeah. it sounds promising, you know? <laughs> yeah, not so much. Uh, high hopes and well, you kind of get let down. But well, it's probably, uh, but at an, least it's, I'll, I'll, it's probably an older technology, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's it's not the the well the thirty frames per second kind of technology that that high frame rate was carried on into the the this next generation of action cams that are out there like the GoPro, the Gear Pro, the Contour. The there's a whole slew of them out there now. Uh, and and one of these days I'm going to bite the bullet and and get something. I've been very well very impressed with the uh, the footage that you've taken with your contours, uh, with your contour cam. So I've been looking at those and trying to find a good deal on um, on one of those. Checking Craigslist, checking Amazon, uh, and and just waiting to waiting to for the funds to roll in to where I can actually pick one of those up and and get some a couple accessories to go with it too. So yeah, and just so you guys all understand the the contour cams, I have not spent a bunch of money on them. Uh, I got it from uh, Amazon uh, as a Prime member, which basically I mean, the price doesn't change. It just means the shipping's uh, free. Uh, I, I picked up a contour cam for uh, 114, 115 bucks. It's uh, it's the first generation that they came out with uh, that uh, they've dropped the price on because they're getting rid of them. I've actually uh, purchased two. I've only used uh, one on a uh, off road trip. Uh, have plans on uh, you know getting the the two of them going plus a dash cam. But uh, just so you understand, you know, Josh has been spending his money on Jeep parts and uh, getting a. Uh, a back and forth uh, to work vehicle, uh, commuter vehicle. So uh, it's not that they don't have inexpensive uh, high def cameras out there. They do. It's just uh, you know Josh is trying to do with with what he has uh, available. Yep, yep. And uh, you know I, I will have some video to share with you guys. And I also have about a hundred pictures that I took uh, that turned out really good. So I'll I will be posting up a link. Maybe uh, I will actually post up some good. Uh, some of the best of the best pictures in uh, in one of the uh, trip reports on xjtalk.com uh, in the events section. And I'll post up a link to my photo bucket so you guys can check out all of the pictures that I took because it's just going to be way too much, uh, you know, copying and pasting of links to post up all 95 pictures. But but well, I will go ahead and share the videos that I got uh, as long as they turned out halfway decent. Well, uh, why don't we do this? We could put the uh, videos in the show notes and uh, also on the xjtalk.com post for those that... Uh, that don't listen to the show. I know, hard to believe, I, it's, but you know, it's a possibility. And uh, you can also put the uh, the link on the show notes to your photo bucket and to your XJ Talk uh, uh, post. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll get those up and for you guys, uh, so you can kind of kind of see and live vicariously through my wheeling. <laughs> so, if you guys aren't familiar, uh, we do have a a website for the podcast uh, xjtalkshow.com. Uh, you just go over there and uh, you can look for episode uh, 89 and look in the show notes. So uh, sometimes the show notes aren't updated uh, at the time that we release the show, which is usually Monday evening, but uh, they'll get there. So uh, between Josh and I, we update it. And uh, within a couple of days, it uh, is usually uh, done and uh, pretty well static. Absolutely. And folks, if you guys have a uh, you know, video that you've taken or a wheeling trip that you'd like to talk about, we'd love to hear about it. Uh, give our voicemail line a call, 24-7 voicemail line a call. 
You can uh, talk away, and uh, nobody's going to answer that. Uh, you can even send a text message if you like, but that number is 530-675-4102. We'd love to hear about, well, a recent wheeling trip that you've been on. Yep, oh, and uh, I would like to mention, if you uh, are going on a wheeling adventure and you forget your digital audio recorder, you can use your telephone, and uh, if it's a smartphone, whether it be I, uh, an iTunes, whether it be an iPhone or an Android, you can get a little application uh, that, uh, well, it was free last time I checked, called Tape a Talk, T-A-P-A-Talk. And, uh, you know, you load that up on your uh, smartphone. Hopefully, you've got a, like a 16-gig or 32-gig card. You can actually set the file format to WAVE, and that is the highest quality audio that... Uh, anything can be recorded and there's no compression so you set it to wave and then you just run this app press the record button and record your interview and uh, you know will we would we absolutely love uh, listener involvement and you know if if it is something that you would like to do uh, more than just a random listener would do we can use you as a reporter here on the xj talk show Absolutely. In fact, we've actually got uh, well a few people that have uh, that have taken the opportunity to get out and out and about and record some stuff for us. Uh, we've got some people that have called in and well left voicemails as well, folks. We'd like to hear from you either way, whether it be using the app Tape a Talk or calling our twenty four seven voicemail line of call. Either way, let's get involved. Yep, yep. And uh, speaking of voicemails, here's uh, this week uh, voicemail from uh, Nikki G. Hey, this is Tony. And this is Josh from the XJ Talk Show. We want to thank you for calling our 24-7 voice line. Yes, we do. Just leave your first name and your question or comment. There's no guarantee, but we may play your message on the podcast. Oh, and don't worry about keeping it clean. We'll take care of that. Now it's your turn to speak at the beep. Hey, this is Nikki G. I was just at the gas station buying a Coca-Cola, and it hit me. The XJ is a lot like uh, Coke marketing schemes in the 80s. Remember when they had the old Coke and they discontinued it and brought in new Coke and everybody hated it, so they discontinued that and brought back Coke Classic? I think that's what Chrysler is doing with the Jeep Cherokee. They discontinued the XJ. They're bringing back this new XJ, this new Cherokee. Everybody's going to hate it. And then they're going to discontinue it and bring back the Cherokee Classic. Uh, marketing blunder or marketing genius? It's jury still out on that. All right, I will chat to you guys later. Goodbye. <laughs> well, that would be wonderful, Nikki. As always, uh, thank you for the uh, for the the voicemail and uh, the entertainment value therein. Yeah, he might be onto something there. Uh, you know, I don't give Nikki G a whole lot of credit for well, what you know, <laughs> counts underneath the tinfoil hat. But that's he got a rough. That's got a rough man. <laughs> well, you know, it, hey, it's a lot of love here. You know, he he knows I'm just joking, but uh, but you know, he actually might be onto something here. That that there very well could be some some bigger picture stuff going on behind the scenes that we were obviously not aware of because. I don't know anybody in their right mind that would release that under the Cherokee name without having some sort of a master plan in the works behind it. Well, you would you would like to think there's some evil genius behind something, but I don't know. Uh, I think it's uh, I, I think it is a different type of person that we're used to dealing with that who, the mindset, and also too, it's it's 
it's a, a leadership deal from the from the top down. You never know what's been said as far as this is the direction we want to go. Um, you know, can we can we make this a viable off road vehicle, but yet still maintain these winning features that we have in our Grand Cherokee? And the engineers go to go to work and think they do a good job, and they they know it sucks if they're if they're off off road enthusiasts or if they have uh, a marketing group that knows the off road. They know this thing isn't going to fly, but then again, it's controversial. So I don't know. It would be wonderful. I like the idea. It's uh, it's creative thinking, but uh, no. I, I think the best we can hope for is that the, the 2014 Cherokee falls flat on its face and in a, uh, in a, uh, a mad scramble, uh, Chrysler says, what can we do to fix this? And they come back with a Cherokee Classic. Well, you know, I, I'm going to just briefly interject something here and and take a take a little snippet from last week's this week in jeep where i talked about international uh you know almost getting their hands on the jeep name and had they done that the entire jeep lineup would have had rubicon packages and diesel options and of course straight axles uh straight axles on the uh you know solid axles underneath the front front end of them and if this cherokee were to be released today under the auspice of uh, you know an international Jeep hybrid name badge, uh, there's a good chance that its capabilities would redeem its designing. Uh, you know would would be would be you know, outshined by um, you know its capabilities would outshine its design uh, just in the in the looks department anyways. So uh, you know I I don't know it's 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 a lot of hearsay it's a lot of what ifs it's a lot of you know whatever. Uh, it's just it would have been nice if things went a different direction. Yeah. Well, it, it, there's no reason that we shouldn't talk about it, and uh, because that's what people do, yeah. they write, they talk, and and maybe the right person listens, and, and maybe uh, that affects some change. So who knows? Well, speaking of change, I hope uh, you guys are changing from uh, well listening to this show on other places and going to iTunes and checking them out. Uh, at least uh, your friends are, anyways. Uh, we have IT, we're available on iTunes. We're available on Stitcher Radio. We're available just about anywhere on the web, folks. And uh, well, we'd like for you guys to head over to iTunes at the very least and give us a five star review. To date, we have eighteen five star reviews. That's awesome. Keep them coming, guys, and make sure you guys tell a friend. If you know somebody who's using iTunes, know somebody who's got an iPhone or an iPad and any kind of iDevice, and they like podcasts, make sure you turn them on to the XJ Talk Show. Hey, even if you don't have, even if you don't use iTunes, but you have an account, go over there and give us a review. I mean, uh, it, it helps promote the show on, uh, on iTunes for those folks that, uh, do have iTunes and use it daily. So if you got an account, go over there and give us a review. And I'll also point out, uh, all 18 reviews that we have, we have a total of 18 reviews. We could use a lot more, but the point I was going to make is they're all five star. Yeah, that's great. We like to we like any kind of feedback from you guys, whether it's through a voicemail line, whether it's whether it's through views on iTunes. Uh, any way we can get it, we like it. We've got one here uh, from RJR Rodriguez, uh, sent in July eighth this year. Calls it the definitive XJ podcast. A five star review. Not only is this a great way to pass the time in traffic while sitting in your Jeep Cherokee, but Tony and Josh bring you many great interviews and tips weekly. That's awesome. Yep. Thank you, RJR Rodriguez. We appreciate the kind words, and, uh, well, keep listening. 
Yeah, we really appreciate that. Really appreciate you uh, taking the time. And uh, I think that's where Josh and I listen to most of our podcasts is in the in the vehicle. If you've got a uh, any kind of commute at all, it's great to be able to hook up the uh, uh, the smartphone to the uh, your stereo system, whether it be Bluetooth or uh, hell, you know, I, I have the original uh, stereo system in my '98 Jeep. And I use one of those little cassette recorder things that has a, a wire that comes out of it with a stereo plug. So I I, I just put it on tape and uh, play it through the uh, the cassette tape player. So there's many ways that you can do that. Yep. One of my other favorite ways is called an RF modulator. And what it does is basically like a small, tiny radio station in a cigarette lighter uh, adapter. And you plug this thing into your cigarette lighter. It gives it power. You plug that thing into your phone. It charges your phone. And it sends out a very, very small FM frequency that your stereo can pick up. You choose the channel on the, on the device, you choose the same channel on your stereo, and guess what? Everything that's being played through the audio of your phone is now being played right through your stereo. Yeah, little FM uh, transmitter adapter. Those things uh, are pretty handy. Uh, I just kind of like the, uh, the straight connection. That way you don't have to mess with finding a station, uh, finding a clear station, especially if you're traveling, because you never know what, uh, what the frequency layout is going to be, depending on where you go. That's right. Good point. The XJ Talk Show is now available on iTunes. Subscribe and leave a review. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating. So uh, I see that you've got quite a bit of fun for us here in uh, This Week in Jeep. So, uh, well, let's roll the intro. First Week in Jeep. Well, guys, amidst all this recall madness going on with the older Cherokees and the Liberties, the NHTSA is still a little bit bitter about the whole mess with this uh, Chrysler debacle. When they ordered the recall of the 2.7 million Jeeps last month, this whole ordeal has the agency reevaluating what they justify, uh, what 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 justifies a recall. The recall, which uh, was brought about after 52 deaths to date, after fires were caused during a uh, during or after rear-end collisions with the 93 to 2004 Grand Cherokees and the 2002 to 2007 Liberties. Uh, those are the vehicles that are included in this uh, massive recall. Uh, this was the straw that basically broke the camel's back for the NHTSA administrator, David Strickland. Uh, this is the guy who heads up the whole agency. He also oversaw one of the nation's largest recalls to date uh, when Toyota had their sudden acceleration crisis, when people were driving through shopping malls and running into brick walls and stuff with their Priuses. Uh, between that and this, the agency's lead is now calling for automakers to keep design standards not only to within national safety guidelines, but to also stay within, quote, within the safe zone of reasonable risk. Now, whatever that really means is, I guess, going to be up for a little bit of debate. But the NHTSA is still reviewing rather closely whether or not the trailer hitch remedy that Chrysler has come up with for the recall Jeep is falls within that zone of reasonable risk. So that's still under review. We're going to see how that all plays out. I've told you guys I'm going to stay on top of this story and uh, well, I'm not letting go. I, I just want to jump in here real quick. I, yeah, I, I normally I normally don't, but this is just another sir, another instance of the federal government getting involved in uh, business. I understand that they should be doing things for the public safety, but come on, this administration has done very little to help businesses to help very little the the number of people that are working, basically not paying attention to the economy in the least. 
uh, but at least in a positive way. Now, in a negative way, they do this kind of crap. 2.7 oh, yeah. million vehicles. That's the total number of vehicles that were were built of the Jeep Cherokee between 1984 and 2001. And you're recalling this, and then you come up and say, well, you know, uh, a $300, which I don't know what Chrysler's cost is, a $300 uh, trailer hitch may not be adequate. That's what they're saying. They're, they're, they're evaluating this. The NHTSA is doing their own bit of research. They're, you know, I, I don't know if they're taking one from every year and running it through a, a bunch of rear-end crash simulations. You know, I don't know exactly what they're doing. All I know is that they've got a team of engineers looking at this and trying to determine whether or not this is enough. Now, they, there has been other, um, other agencies that have said this isn't enough. Uh, but they're just going off of, well, we want the ultimate fix. Uh, and they were, that was supposed to include a whole new filler hose assembly uh, that has a shutoff valve built into it. It's supposed to include a uh, gas tank skid plate as well as the trailer hitch. Uh, so, you know, all of that obviously is going to be, you know, a half a day's worth of labor at a dealership. Um, several thousand dollars worth of not only labor, but also parts. I'm sure that Chrysler is not going to start forking this stuff out for a you know ten year old vehicle. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, a twenty a twenty year old vehicle. Oh no, they'll do it if the federal government mandates they do it. And I'll well, and I'll just throw this in: fifty two deaths to date. Now, every life is important. However, Grant, there is a risk, inherent risk, in leaving the house. Hell, there's an inherent risk staying in the house. So, fifty two deaths. Now, there's this two two point seven million Jeep recall. How many deaths would you say were were in the combination of the guns that were given illegally to the Mexican cartels and uh, in Benghazi? Oh yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. I doubt that it's fifty two, but it's it's getting up there close to it. Well, I'm uh, I'm not very good at math, <laughs> so I don't know what uh, what percentage fifty two is of uh, two point seven million. Uh, but I would have to say it's a very, very, very small number. Oh, and keep in, uh, and keep in mind, it's that's 52 deaths of the number of vehicles. That's not how many accidents those yeah. 2.7 vehicles have been in. I mean, it's possible that those vehicles uh, have been. Some of them have been. And it's a Jeep. It's possible they could have been in two or three accidents and yeah. still still plowing along. No, absolutely. Anyway, sorry about the politicalization of that. It just pisses me off. Now, interject, man. I, I mean, we like the back and forth here. I, I, I dig it. So, you know, I, there's something that you, I know that you and I have been going back and forth on quite a bit lately, and that's the diesel engines that Jeep is talking about and looking at. It's, it's been a rumor, basically, at this point. They've actually um, have announced officially that the Grand Cherokees, the new Grand Cherokees, are going to have a diesel option. Well, the diesel engine platform across the entire spectrum is looking a lot more promising lately than ever. Uh, for the Chrysler Group, the quote light duty diesel engines manufactured for Chrysler by a company called VM Motori. They're an Italian group, but they have a North American division. They're going to be releasing um, first in the 2000. They're going to be releasing these engines first in the 2014 Ram 1500 pickups as an option at this point. And the manufacturer is predicting 30 percent of all Ram 1500 sales in the U.S. over the next year will be equipped with the new 3-liter V6 diesel engine. VM Motori produce, has produced 55,000 3-liter diesels worldwide last year and are expecting to build another 86,000 this year. Uh, what makes these diesels such a viable option is that they very closely match the, the mounting configuration of the new Pentastar 3.6-liter V6 gasoline engine that Chrysler is using 
across many of their vehicles right now. If Chrysler wants to, they could very easily have the new diesels fitted into any of the automakers' nameplates, including the Dodge Durango, the Charger, any one of the minivans, the Chrysler 300, and yes, Tony, even the Wrangler. Now, as I reported in an earlier episode, Jeep began manufacturing the 2014 Cherokee earlier this month in its Toledo, Ohio plan. Good news, I guess. Uh, this week, the facility has begun ramping up uh, with the production of the Jeep Cherokee and expects to be at full production by September, which coincidentally is now the official release date uh, for the non-XJ Cherokee, <laughs> which means if you care to go see this POS in person at your local dealership, well, you won't have to wait too much longer. Uh, credit where credit is due, though, Chrysler did create about 1,100 new jobs, hiring an additional batch of workers for that plant, uh, which also happens to make the Jeep Wrangler. Uh, and they spent an additional $500 million to renovate the assembly complex and to, to add a whole bunch of new technology to it. So Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, they're spending money, they're hiring people. You know, I guess there's a silver lining around this uh, piece of crap Jeep Cherokee that they're releasing. Yeah, you know, I don't know about you, Josh, but I'd like to push that uh, that three-letter designator uh, out to the, the, the world. So uh, kind of as a uh, get back to uh, Chrysler on naming this uh, this uh, Jeep Cherokee, the 2014A Jeep Cherokee, let's, uh, let's uh, fight back and let's start uh, broadcasting the rumor that it's the first uh, Jeep with a three-letter designator. It's the POS. I love it. Let's roll it. <laughs> So uh, we mentioned uh, uh, listener involvement, and uh, boy, we got some listener invo- involvement uh, here recently uh, with a few uh, spur-of-the-moment, it sounds like, interviews at uh, various places like uh, Lowe's and uh, some other things. I could just see uh, th- and these interviews were done by Nikki G, and uh, we sure appreciate it. Uh, we've got a total of seven interviews, and we're going to play two of them tonight. But uh, I could just imagine uh, Nikki G walking up in his uh, tinfoil hat saying, hey, <laughs> you got a Jeep or you've got an off-road vehicle? Uh, talk into this telephone <laughs> and tell me about it. <laughs> oh, man, the look on that person's face, it would just be priceless, I tell you what. Well, no, this is, this is some really cool stuff. You know, all joking, all joking aside, uh, Nikki G, you're doing the Lord's work out there. You're getting out there, um, you know, on behalf of the XJ Talk Show, uh, just, you know, BSing with some people that, you know, share a, a passion as we do. Whether it's with a Jeep or whether it's with another vehicle, they're an off-road enthusiast. And that's what brings us all together, getting out in the great outdoors, getting out on the trails and stuff like that. Folks, this is the season for car shows, for Jeep shows, for off-road shows, for you know, a listener and not listener, um, customer appreciation events at your local four-wheel parts stores. Get out to these events. Go around and just start meeting people, looking at the rigs and stuff like that. I guarantee you're going to run into somebody and strike up a couple-minute conversation. You know, having that tape a talk app on your phone would make it really easy to just, you know, whip the thing out, start up the app and just say, hey, you know, what's your name, where you're from? Tell me a little bit about your rig. Get a couple few minutes on your phone of audio. We'd love to hear that kind of stuff. Nikki G has done just that. I can't wait to hear what he's come up with. Hey, this is Nikki G. I'm out here at the Lowe's, and I'm with uh, Doug. And Doug's got a nice Bronco. What year is your Bronco? It's a 1990. Right. How high is it? Uh, seven inch lift with 35s. 35s? Is it how, how much body lift on it? Uh, it's got three inch body lift, four inch suspension lift. Right. Do you take it off road much? Obviously. Oh, yeah. All right. 
Any problems with the lift? No, never. No. I love the TTVs on it, too. Alright, how often do you go off-road? Uh, at least once a week. Once a week. Alright, you know why guys lift, them, lift trucks so high? Uh, I don't know. It's fat girls can't jump in it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We here at the XG Talk Show, neither, uh, <laughs> we do not condone <laughs> the, the talking bad about fat girls. <laughs> we leave that to each individual's right. The views expressed here on the XJ Talk Show do not necessarily <laughs> represent those by the host or the co-host. <laughs> and uh, here's our, our second interview tonight with uh, from Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G, and I'm here with Jeff, and he's got a what, Grand Cherokee. What year Grand Cherokee do you have? 2004. Nice. How do you like it? Uh, it's been pretty good. Okay, it's got the straight six or the V8? It's got the 4.7 V8. All right, that's the first, first V8 I had talked to. Any uh, problems with it? Uh, yeah, I've had some have had some trouble with it. Tra- transmission rebuild at uh, seventy five thousand. Wow. You have the A four transmission uh, four speed automatic. No, it's five. Five. Yeah, I was covered under warranty though. Oh, that's good. Uh, enough cup holders. <laughs> uh, two in the front, two in the back. That's good. It works. All right. Uh, how do you? Well, I asked you. How do you like it? It's it, you know it's it's been good. I probably used to put uh, about 30 40 on it a year thousand miles and now it's down to maybe 10 if right. that would you consider buying another jeep uh yeah the new uh 2014 with the eight speed uh 3.6 is is nice i might uh might do the v8 or the diesel not sure yet all right but looking into them all right well thanks a lot jeff you have a good day thanks. Right, thank you man i appreciate it hey you yeah you the one just sitting there listening to the XJ Talk Show. Why aren't you a part of it? What? Tell me more, you say? Well, it's pretty simple. You can become an XJ Talk Show reporter. All you need is a smartphone and the ability to talk to people. Just email reporter at xjtalk.com for more information. Well, we really appreciate that, Nikki. And as you guys could probably tell, the uh, the audio was a little hot, but uh, for a first try, I think that worked out very well. No, absolutely. Definitely appreciate the effort. Uh, it's great to hear the, you know, just the involvement of, of one of our listeners uh, going out there, talking with people and stuff like that. Uh, you know, all joking aside, again, you know, that that's really cool and, and it's very much appreciated. It, it adds a little flavor to the show that, Obviously, Tony and I, we could probably go out there and try and do this ourselves. Uh, but to have that come from the listeners, it just gives it a, a very personal feel. And, and I mean, we are very personal guys. We're just a couple of guys sitting here in, in you know, some makeshift studios in our houses, uh, sitting behind a mic doing this sort of thing. It's just something we're passionate about. We hope that you guys are passionate about this kind of stuff, too. And that, uh, well, if you're out and about, you got your phone in hand, you, know, you might you know, meet somebody. Uh, just say hi. Talk to him for a couple minutes and, and get this kind of stuff that Tony G just did. Nikki G. Thank you, though. Um, G, G. I got Tony on the brain here. <laughs> it happens to a lot of people. Um, so uh, so anyway, uh, we uh, we kind of teased it a little bit uh, at the start of the show. We've got a uh, kind of a treat uh, talking about listener involvement. And uh, this is uh, part of the, uh, uh, well, it's a little review done on one of the items. And don't anybody get nervous. It's a, it's a good review about a uh, a non-adult item so uh well let's just get to it we just found out what you bought oh my god i just can't believe that made it on the list 
This is John, pre-runner 1982, and if you listened to episode 88 of the XJ Talk Show in the You Bought What segment, you heard Tony and Josh discussing a Bofing UV5R Plus handheld dual-band amateur radio transceiver. This was my purchase, and Tony asked me to do a review of it. Unfortunately, uh, being my first amateur radio, I don't have uh, anything to compare it to. Uh, also, since I have not yet taken the test to get my license, I will not be able to, to uh, comment on the transmit characteristics of this radio. Uh, the, the box that it comes in contains a transceiver, battery, antenna, wrist strap, charger, power cord for the charger, belt clip, and earpiece mic cord. Though it's not like the ones you see the police officer have with the mic that mounts on the shoulder. It's more like a, a cell phone type with a little earpiece and a little uh, shirt clip and a little mic. Uh, though the ones like the police officers have are, uh, are available uh, for purchase. Uh, one of the first things I noticed about the radio was that it's only about four and a half inches long, not counting the antenna, about the length of my palm. And I also noticed that this thing is pretty heavy. It doesn't feel cheaply made at all, uh, considering it's a $50 radio. Uh, the antenna connection on this radio also seems to be a bit different. Uh, it is an SMA connector. However, rather than the antenna screwing onto the stud on the radio, the antenna has the stud that screws into the radio. Uh, there are also adapters available to convert to uh, different types of uh, connections. And this is a dual-band radio. Uh, it's capable of transmitting on the 2-meter and 70-centimeter amateur radio bands. And it can also transmit on frequencies both above and below those bands outside of the amateur radio spectrum uh, and the public safety frequencies. Uh, this radio is Part 90 accepted by the FCC, so it is allowed to transmit on the public in the public safety realm, uh, though you would uh, need permission to do that. Uh, most Frequencies are commercial and public safety, and you would not want to uh, key up on, say, the local sheriff department dispatch. Um, this radio can also act as a scanner. It scans either the preset frequencies or through all frequencies in incremental steps. Uh, it's not as fast as a true scanner. Um, obviously, it's not meant to be, but it uh, is handy to have to see what simplex or repeater frequencies are active at that time. Uh, this also is a dual-receive radio, uh, meaning you can monitor either two VHF frequencies, two UHF frequencies, uh, or one of each. I did, I did do a bit of research on this radio before purchasing it. And everyone mentioned using a programming cable and a program called CHIRP, um, as manual, manually entering the frequencies was difficult. I didn't find it all that difficult. I found a website that had some easy to understand uh, instructions and information, and uh, it really wasn't that hard. But I did go ahead and purchase the cable and downloaded the Chirp software. And after finding the correct driver and uh, getting it all loaded onto the computer, it really was much easier to do it that way, though in a pinch, manually entering on the radio itself isn't all that difficult. Uh, the Chirp software, or program, uh, also allows you to enter alpha tags that you cannot do manually on the radio. Um, so you can put in the uh, like the call sign for the repeater or or what uh, frequency you're scanning if it's the you know sheriff department or the fire department or that sort of thing. So it makes it a little easier to tell. Uh, the software also opens up the the transmit and receive frequencies a, a little bit more than what the radio was uh, originally set with. And uh, the chirp software program works not only on the Bofing, but also the radios, mobiles, and handhelds 
Icon, Ken Wood, Biesu, there's a whole whole big list of them. Um, and the receipt on this radio does seem to be pretty good. Uh, like I said, I don't have anything to compare it to, but based on tests I've seen online, uh, radio does seem to be pretty sensitive compared to the other big-name companies' uh, radios out there. Uh, the other night, I did tune into a, uh, a net um, on a UHF repeater about 12 miles away. I was able to walk around the house, no issues, and using the factory rubber duck antenna. Um, I have listened to the radio while driving, and it has about the same success there, um, even being inside of a vehicle. I do have a bit of issues uh, listening to it at work. I'm in an office building, first floor. I'm a, not too far from a window, but it's a north-facing window, and the repeaters in my area are south and east of the building. So there's only one repeater that's close that I can actually pick up um, in here. But uh, I kind of expected that, though. Um, after I obtain my license um, and have some time using this radio, I will report back on how well it uh, transmits. Um, if I'm able to hit the repeater from my house uh, that I listened to with the, the net the other night, I'd be impressed. But uh, I'm not going to hold my breath on that, being that it is just a handheld 4-watt, 4 or 5-watt um, radio. This radio also has a few other features I'd like to comment on. Uh, it does have a regular FM radio like your you know, vehicle has, um, and it also has an LED, LED flashlight on top. Uh, the battery does seem to last for quite a while on a single charge, um, sitting on my desk, um, not scanning, 11, 12 hours a day, including you know, drive time. I can get probably three days out of it at least, um, maybe even four. Now, the more you use it, the more it scans, the less you'll get out of it. Um, when I first got interested in ham radio, uh, I wasn't interested in having a handheld, but uh, now that I've gotten this one, I, I do um, find it to be very handy and uh, will probably continue to carry it with me even though I have a mobile unit in the Jeep at some point. Uh, but uh, that is my review, and like I said, I will uh, review back again when uh, I have a chance to actually transmit on it and see how it does with that. All right. Thank you. Take care. I thought I would just add here, uh, first off, again, thank you very much for the uh, the review, John. Very thorough. And uh, keep in mind, guys, he hasn't even talked on it yet. Um, I'll, uh, I'll mention, uh, I, my first handheld, I've been a ham since 76, 1976, uh, not to be confused with 2076. And um, the, uh, the, first, the first handheld that I've got was an ICOM 2AT. It had a massive switched high power output of 1.5 watts and using that one and a half watts in a office building, uh, you know, full of uh, metal studs and et cetera, concrete, et cetera. I was able to hit the, the local repeater uh, anywhere inside the savings alone that I was working at. Uh, and uh, had quite a bit of fun using that radio uh, while, I, while I was working there, by the way. And I guess the repeater, it wasn't 12 miles away. It was probably more like uh, six or seven but I think John is going to be pleasantly surprised, at least from his house, with that 4-watt output, which that's a good power output for a handheld. 4 or 5 watts is, a, is about all you can really expect to get out of that and have decent battery life. I think he'll be very happy with, uh, with the results of being able to hit the, hit the repeater 12 miles away. A lot of it has to do with uh, the repeater uh, height, the antenna height. So uh, generally speaking, repeaters are anywhere from uh, 100 to... Uh, 1,500 feet in height, the uh, the antennas. So uh, it's not like CB where you have uh, 
it's aptitude modulation AM, and it's also uh, crowded with a lot of people doing all kinds of funny and strange things, basically making noise. This is FM frequency modulation, and there's little to no activity on the on the frequency. So um, that allows the sensitivity of the repeater to be much greater than what you would see like in uh, well, like in an aptitude uh, modulated environment where you get a lot of noise from static crashes from lightning, etc. So I think you'll be really surprised about how what kind of distance that he can talk on those things. Uh, I cannot tell you. I think that a a uh, two meter uh, this is two meter seventy centimeter dual band. I cannot uh, express to you enough how important I think it is to have something like this as an emergency radio, and it is a very very inexpensive uh, uh, handheld for all its capabilities. Uh, I think the uh, ICOM two AT that I bought back in gosh it must have been around nineteen eighty or so was uh, upwards of two hundred dollars. And that was in nineteen eighty dollars. So with this thing being forty six bucks from Amazon, and if you're a Prime member, wow. Yeah, that 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 price range is phenomenal. Uh, being able to get something like that for that kind of price, uh, I mean, just really puts it in perspective. And I mean, just the the benefits alone of what this thing can do for you. Uh, or be able to get you out of if you're in a case of a, an emergency or a stranded type of situation. It did not come with, uh, my Icon 2AT did not come with a drop-in charger either. That was like another 60, 70 bucks. <laughs> as, we're, as you were talking about that, I was actually looking up that Icon 2AT and um, got a, uh, a shot of the original like magazine ad uh, that was published for that device. And another picture I found was a guy that had Virtually every little gizmo and gadget and accessory that was available for that thing all laid out on the table, and uh, quite the array of equipment actually. ICOM is uh, is nice stuff. I've uh, I like it, but uh, it is very expensive. All the uh, all the add-ons is where they really get you. I mean, the radios are pretty expensive too, and uh, uh, it's like it's kind of like the way I am about Apple. I I personally will not own any kind of Apple product. But I'm glad they're there because uh, it's not that they keep prices down. They they push innovation in, in the uh, whether it be the smartphone or computers or whatever. So that, that innovation we all benefit from. Uh, I mean, they're the ones that uh, first had the, the mouse as an input device uh, for a Macintosh. So and, and that translated into Windows and so on and so forth. So um, you can go back to the five uh, five and a quarter floppies uh, was the mainstay, and uh, Apple came out with a three and a half inch floppies, and then that became the the mainstay until you know of course it, it went away. So uh, I like it whenever there's uh, companies and business that come out and drive things, whether they drive the the price or the industry standard. It's it's a win. I think it's a win for the consumers. Well, and we'd like for you guys to go ahead and just drive those fingers right into the keypad on your phone and call that 530-675-4102 voicemail line and do what John just did. And if you've bought something, bought there we go. <laughs> <laughs> if you've purchased something on Amazon and, uh, and would like to share with us, guys, we would really appreciate the feedback and review just like John did. Call that 24-7 voicemail line of call. And give us a review on something that you've just purchased through Amazon. Yeah, and we're not just uh, pulling your leg either. Uh, we really do like the listener involvement, and I think you'll uh, you'll see that here. And uh, I really want to thank uh, Nikki G and uh, John Prerunner 1982 for jumping in there and getting involved. 
because uh, it takes a few people to to get involved, to uh, uh, grease the wheel, if you will, to loosen it up, and people to say, well, you know, if they can do it, I can do it too. And that's what you should say about me and Josh. <laughs> you know, if we can sit here and have a show, show up every uh, every week and do it, we're not professional anything. So, <laughs> you know, if you find this entertaining, it's just me and Josh being me and Josh. Yeah, absolutely. No, we have a lot of fun uh, doing this. It is just uh, just a hobby of sorts that we do, and we're glad that we're able to bring this to you. But we want to get you guys involved, and and just like John and, and Nikki uh, get involved, you guys can do the same thing. You know, don't worry about what you think you sound like on the phone, uh, or what your you know what your friends say about your voice or something like that. Uh, put all that aside and uh, and give us a call or uh, get out there and get a couple recordings put in. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. How would you like to be a guest on the XJ Talk Show? Do you have an interesting story about your Jeep? Maybe an off-road adventure? Perhaps you're a vendor and want to get the word out about your great products. Send us an email to interviews at xjtalk.com or call and leave a voice or text message at 530-675-4102. 4102. We look forward to hearing from you. This is Brian Myers from JC Offroad. This is Brian Myers from JC Offroad, and I just been overhauled. Uh, I mean, you're listening to XJ Talk here. This is Dan from the 4x4 Podcast, and you're listening to the XJ Talk Show. You know, I just thought of something. You were talking about the diesel engines earlier, Josh, and I was listening to uh, one of the recent episodes of the 4x4 Podcast. And uh, either Dan or his co-host mentioned that there is going to be a $4,500 premium attached to the upper end of the uh, model. So whatever the the top end of the, you know, the the Wrangler or Grand Cherokee or whatever is, I'm not sure if they talked about the Wrangler, come to think of it, but for the Grand, uh, it has to be the top model. And then you can add the $4,500 diesel option to it. (laughs) So it's like a $40,000 vehicle. Uh, yeah, no, it actually might be a little bit more than that. Well, including delivery, the Grand Cherokee, uh, it is going to be a $4,500 option in addition to the, the upper package. Uh, the including delivery, uh, the price is $41,290. See, I, I, again, there, I don't understand why they're shooting themselves in the foot. You want to charge $4,500 for a diesel? I don't agree, but that's fine. Why not put it on all the models? Make it available on all the models. Make it a standard. I mean, more better economy, more torque. Uh, it's a no-brainer in my book. But well, yeah, a $4,500 markup uh, uh, package option. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, they're playing, they're playing games because they want to try to get as much money as they can. But I think it's going to hurt them in the long run. But then again, I'm not in that business. Uh, it just pisses me off because... That's just something that uh, I'm not going to buy because I ain't spending $41,000 for a vehicle. You know, and they're saying that uh, these things are only going to get about 27 to 28 miles per gallon uh, compared to around the 25 or so that the uh, the gasolines are getting. So uh, is it would it pay for itself? Sure, after 20 years of driving it just in fuel uh, fuel savings alone. I mean, $4,500 for, for an engine seems uh, to be a bit much for me. Got a tip? We do. It's time for Jeep Tips. Well, about the only thing I have this week on Jeep Tips is uh, the results with my U-Bolt uh, strap 
uh, replacement on my uh, Chrysler 8.25 yoke. Well, I guess it was actually more than that. It was the uh, the whole yoke because I had a problem with uh, the, uh, I guess there was about a sixteenth of an inch gap in between, uh, a sixteenth inch of a gap between the, uh, um, the U-joint and the uh, the yoke itself. Yeah, what Tony's talking about here is the Iron Rock Off-Road Chrysler 8.25 pinion yoke replacement for uh, the uh, the upgrade of replacing the strap styles with an actual U-bolt style. Uh, gives you a lot of a uh, lot of increase in strength, and well, it's a great upgrade if you've ran into something like what Tony had here with a little bit of play in your yoke. Yeah, and if you're an egg fan like me, playing the yoke is not something that you want to do. It's uh, it's messy, it's sticky. Wait a minute, I'm thinking of something else. And it's definitely not going to get you <laughs> off the trail. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, the uh, there was a little play in the the U joint. So I don't know if you, any of you guys have experienced this, but basically, if you loosened up the straps holding the the U joint at the rear of the the drive shaft <clears throat> that goes into the yoke, on uh, it doesn't really matter if it's a Chrysler eight point two five, a Dana thirty five, uh, whatever you've got there in the rear Dana forty four. Uh, if if the yoke uh, allows, it has like two little tabs at the end, and it it keeps the uh, it's supposed to fit tight. The U joint is supposed to fit tight in there. The the caps, the ends of the caps, should be against those stops. Mine wasn't. If I pushed it to one side, it would be against one stop, but then I could push it to the other. So, um, in one of the pictures I put up on XJ Talk, you could actually see there was probably about a sixteenth of an inch there. Now I'm thinking. <clears throat> what difference is a sixteenth of an inch going to make? I just kind of pushed it all the way over to the side and tightened down those uh, those uh, uh, bolts holding the straps down. And uh, when I went to change the yoke, it had not moved. It was still in the same place I had put it. So I was kind of thinking since the vibrations uh, had lessened, because I, I actually found this while I was uh, taking out the shims in my uh, uh, off my uh, Rough Country uh, leaf springs, and uh, something. Uh, Matt was dealing with on his vehicle and I thought he was just being a little overly sensitive about the vibrations. It's a four wheel drive, you know, it's lifted. It's got uh, mud tires on it. At least in my case, it's going to be, it's going to have some vibrations. So when he, when he mentioned about this issue with the yoke that he had, well, I started looking at mine and, you know, took a picture of it and, uh, you know, sure enough, we discussed it in chat, uh, during work one day. And, uh, uh, he, he, uh, said, you know, you really ought to uh, replace that. And uh, I think you'll see a big change in your vibrations. And I went, well, you know, what the hell? So uh, we poked around online, and uh, I, sent, I think he sent me the link over at Iron Rock. Uh, and I think it was about 80 bucks. And what it is is a, a complete yoke with um, drilled and comes with uh, U-bolts uh, instead of straps and bolts. So uh, I was a little concerned about uh, making that change. And uh, as we talked about last show, uh, it was very easy to do. Uh, I, I don't have any leaks uh, out of it. And uh, I was able to uh, get that thing on in, in really, really quick uh, order, like less than 30 minutes, maybe 45. So I uh, slid it on there, uh, put the bolt on it, uh, or rather put the nut on it, put the U-bolts on it, and it sat for a day, I guess, until Monday, whenever I took it out uh, on the uh, streets. I used the back roads, even though I have about an hour drive. It's about 20 miles. And uh, I use the back roads because I really don't like getting on the highway. It's about 33 miles if I take the highway, and it's 19 miles if I take the back streets. Oh, wow. That's a huge difference. Yeah. So the time that it takes me 
is a little shorter, maybe five, 10 minutes, which is great, but uh, it's not, uh, it's, it's a lot of stop and start, stop, stop and start. And I may hit 50, 55 at times. Uh, 50, to, 50 to 60 is where I would feel the vibrations. Uh, I made the comment to, to Matt on Google Plus Chat uh, going to work Saturday, uh, uh, Monday morning. That, that, that first Monday morning I went after replacing the yoke. The Jeep is so smooth, I've fallen asleep twice on my way to work. <laughs> yeah, I read that comment. I uh, can't remember where I saw that. I think, I think you might it's have put in the post. Talk. Yeah. yeah, it's in the post. And that made me chuckle. I was like, <laughs> well, you know, I might have to reevaluate my drivetrain because uh, my Cherokee does not drive that smooth. Well, uh, Matt was telling me, uh, and that's uh, M. Smorenberg on uh, xgtalk.com. Matt was telling me, because I kind of give him a little hard time about, you know, uh, being a big old girl about vibrations on a four-wheel drive, but I'm a believer now after, you know, seeing this firsthand. I mean, only a sixteenth of an inch was making this big a difference. Now, I don't know what kind of condition the yoke was in, in a, as a whole. There could have been other things wrong with it. But, uh, I, I, it, you know, a yoke is a yoke to me. It, it looked fine. It, there was nothing damaged that I could see to it other than it those little that little tab or those little tabs had worn over the years and um, uh, so anyway he told me that the reason why he does this is this is the, what his dad used to do his dad was very uh, attentive to driveline vibrations and he would go out of his way to figure out what the problem was and fix it and it's whenever you're in a vehicle and you feel that smoothness that uh, ease of whether it's pushing it down the road or just uh, gliding down the road because it, it feels nice and smooth, it exudes quality. It, it exudes confidence that the vehicle is is well put together. Uh, it's kind of hard to explain. Um, now, I would feel that if I was uh, around 30 or 40 miles an hour, but when I started getting up around 50, certainly around 80, you would really start to feel these vibrations, and it does not feel... Uh, it didn't feel like well, it, it, you weren't quite sure if something bad was going to happen soon. And, uh, now with this, this smooth, it's just, it's, it's really nice. Yeah. You're, you get in a vehicle and you go down the roll uh, road and it sounds like a bucket of bolts getting thrown down a, you know, a, a staircase. Uh, there's not a lot of confidence there, but you get into a rig and the door shuts nice and, and firm. Uh, and it drives down the road true, straight, and smooth. There's definitely a lot more confidence in that, uh, in in both well, in both the rig itself, uh, but also probably the driver as well. So one of the things that uh, Matt did on uh, on his was since he he had another yoke there in his uh, pile of junk uh, at the shop that uh, didn't have any play in it, he just got the stock uh, eight and a quarter uh, yoke. And uh, then he bought a uh, uh, a pair of uh, uh, well, I was looking at here it is Dorman uh, U bolts. And uh, in his post on xjtalk.com, he actually gives the part number. It's an eight one zero zero four Dorman uh, U bolt. And all he did was, and I'll just put this up on the the camera so you guys can see it. I think you probably saw it earlier. Uh, but anyway, it's just a U bolt. It comes with uh, nuts and uh, lock washers. And you basically take a um, a drill and drill out the threads uh, that are in the yoke. Uh, the holes already go all the way through, so it's really just a matter of just cleaning up the the, the holes so that you can fit the U bolt through there. 
and uh, you ditch those uh, those bolts and those straps forever. And I don't know if everybody knows this or not, those straps are one-time use. So when you take them off, you're supposed to put new ones on each time. And that's probably, I've not read this anywhere, I'm just thinking, that's probably why the those little nubs, those little stops wore on mine because the, the straps were worn and they probably didn't hold the U-joint in place uh, as, as well as it should. And while I had my driveline angle wrong with whether it was before I started running the SYE or for whatever reason, it probably vibrated and actually bounced behind b- between those two nubs and caused it to, to waller out over time. So yep. that's the only thing I can come up with. But uh, so it's, it's really more important to keep the driveline vibrations down than what you'd think because it can uh, give you problems in the future. Well, Josh, I don't know about you, but that's about as much fun as I can have with, uh, with my pants on. Pants on? Wait, I thought we agreed to do this sans pants this time. Sans pants? Is this a dust comment? Do you have still have uh, dust in your drawers? Oh, see, I'm trying to be intellectual here, and it doesn't work out very well. Well, it probably would, but I'm illiterate. So if, you, if you're using words that are outside my, vo- my vocabulary, is that the word? Yeah, out of my uh, vocabulary, you know, it's, it's going to suck. I can't help it. Well, speaking of functionally, uh, functionally illiterates, uh, folks, Tony and I have started up a new podcast. We're about, well, about 10, 11 or so episodes into it. And, uh, well, we'd love for you guys to head on over to TonyandJosh.com and check out our new podcast. Guess what it's called? The Tony and Josh Show. That's right. We put a lot of effort, work, and, well, a lot of deliberation into figuring out what we're going to call it. It's a lot of fun. We take the gloves off. We get out of the Jeep realm, and we get into the world, the big, wide world of, well, everything else that's going on. I have a smart-ass comment to make on a wide variety of subjects, as it turns out, Josh. Shocking. (laughs) It's a lot about, uh, uh, unfortunately, as Josh would say, there's a lot of political stuff on there. Uh, I'm a conservative. Josh is a conservative. So uh, it gets a bit conservative over there from the political side of things. We do talk about science, science fiction. And, uh, you know, I can't help but uh, wait for, uh, look forward for, for The Walking Dead uh, to come back on because we're going to be doing some of that, too. Oh, yeah. We're getting a little bit of everything on that show. We have a lot of fun with it. And we're starting to add some production value to it as well. We're going to start getting some segments involved in that as well. Uh, we've had some live call-ins as well. we uh, got a voicemail line for that, too. But for all the good stuff revolving around The Tony and Josh Show, please head over to TonyandJosh.com. Yeah, don't forget about this show either. I mean, uh, I personally, my wife disagrees with me, but I personally think that you can get more Tony value the more shows, the more interaction. You know, I just think it's great, and and I can't help but think that uh, your girl thinks the same thing about you, Josh. (laughs) Well, I'd like to think so, at least. And speaking of interaction, folks, once again, we can't say it enough. We love the help from our listeners and getting that interaction from you guys. Uh, just like uh, uh, Nikki and John. Guys, thanks again for that. And all you other listeners out there, come on. Let's get involved. Absolutely. Get involved now. <laughs>